0: Hi everyone, this is Yin, and welcome to Growth From Failure. I wanted to create this show to highlight extraordinary people that inspire and motivate me to level up, but with a slight twist. I'll have conversations with people from a variety of professions, from investors to entrepreneurs to educators to athletes, because I enjoy hearing a really good success story from any discipline. But I wanted to view their story more through a lens of struggle or hardship and even failure, Because for me, the biggest lessons learned and opportunities to grow aren't from the wins or triumphs, but from the setbacks and defeat. So instead of reviewing their highlight reel with all the success and accomplishments, we'll talk about some of the bloopers that includes the mistakes and the rocky roads, which can be glossed over, but oftentimes more impactful to their mindset and success. I hope hearing their journey inspires you to not fear failing, but motivates you to reflect to keep learning, and ultimately to keep growing. This is the story of Tia Stokes. I first got introduced to Tia during the summer of 2020, and it seems so long ago, but I remember my feelings of, of sadness and, and heightened anxiety from what was going on in the world and from the pandemic of not seeing family and friends, and those still feel all too real. And then I see Tia, She is a mother of five children. She's an amazing professional dancer, and she got diagnosed with leukemia right at the start of the pandemic. She was in the hospital for 31 days, not being able to see any family or friends. And we discuss how she felt both emotionally and physically during that time. On the day that she was released from the hospital, her mother passed away. And yet remarkably, as you'll hear throughout the whole conversation, Tia remains one of the most positive and happy people. In this episode, we discuss how Tia is so positive. From her childhood being surrounded with love from her family, we discuss also how she fell in love with dancing and became a professional dancer. She started a nonprofit called Calamity, where she dances and raises money for people going through real calamities. Little did she know that a few years later, she herself would be facing one of the toughest challenges as she got diagnosed with leukemia. What is remarkable is that Tia chooses happy. We talk about a few of her mottos and the idea that she changes the paradigm and spends more time counting her blessings than recounting her problems. It's a choice and she chooses happy. So she chooses literally every day to share her dancing as she goes through cancer treatments, as she gets numerous blood transfusions. It's extraordinary to see her and the nurses in the back and the doctors dancing along with her. They choose happy. I want to thank Tia so much for being such a bright light to everyone around her. One of the mottos we talk about is the three Ds of desire, decide, and do it. And also her dad repeatedly told her, we got this. I seek so much positivity and inspiration from Tia, and I think you'll understand why after listening. Please enjoy this episode with the beautiful Tia Stokes. Hello,
1: Tia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. So excited to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. I mean, you are one of the most positive people I have ever encountered, and I'm so grateful to have you on the show. So thank you for joining me. For those who don't follow T on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, I highly, highly, highly recommend. A friend had shared your account last summer with me and said, follow this woman for a smile and a daily dose of love and inspiration. And it worked like magic for me. I mean, truly, I just I love how. You share so much of your journey and it's, for many, it's so hard to stay positive, but you keep a smile on your face and it is just incredible. So for those who don't Aww. know, but they'll hear shortly, your journey, I mean, you were diagnosed with leukemia. And you juggle the treatments and the blood transfusions, and yet you do this daily dance, which is amazing. And you have (laughs) five beautiful, but, you know, five children. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I don't know how you stay so positive, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the things I start the show and our listeners really like to hear is really where people grew up. So if we could rewind your highlight reel and share, you know, where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, I was actually born in California, Whittier, California and I have seven brothers and sisters. I'm the baby of seven. So I came from a big family, which I love. I love my big family. I love my siblings. I love my nieces and nephews, and I just am a huge family person. We moved to Utah when I was about 10 years old, and so I claim Utah as my home. That's where I was mostly raised there, and I started dancing when I was 10, and I've been dancing ever since. I haven't stopped. Actually, This cancer journey has been the longest that I've stopped dancing, but I got married to my beautiful, handsome husband in 2008 and I had five beautiful kids and here I am (laughs) (laughs) 35 years later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you know, I mean, you mentioned that your immediate family is very large with seven brothers and sisters. Did you know that you wanted to have a lot of children to have a similar upbringing for your children?
1: Yes. I actually wanted eight boys. (laughs) I always wanted boys I never thought I was gonna have a girl so I always considered myself like a boy mom and so I always wanted one more than my mom but here we are five kids later and I'm kind of like okay I think five is good
0: (laughs) (laughs) I commend you I have two and I really don't know how you have four boys and a beautiful little girl but (laughs) so talking about the dancing when did you start you said at the age of 10 but what was it about dancing that really drew you in
1: Yeah, so I started dancing at the age of 10 because it was my sister. My sister was my mentor and trainer, Irene, and she was teaching dance at the time. My family's pretty musically talented. We either sing or play an instrument or dance or gymnastics or something like that. And so my sister was teaching dance. And so, coming from a big family, I'm the baby of the family. My mom and dad were like, Okay, you're going to go do dance since it's free. <laughs> it's a free thing. You can do that. So I started dancing with her and she trained me. And I did it all throughout high school and I loved it. I lived in the studio. I loved training. I loved practicing. I loved performing. It was my high. I love that. And so I actually started auditioning when I was a senior in high school and I got my first dance gig, I guess you can say, with Beyonce Knowles at the Billboard Music Awards. And I was a senior. I can't believe, like I look back, I'm like, I can't believe my parents just let me go. Like, <laughs> wow. Like wow to my parents for trusting me and letting me do these crazy things. And so I got to have a little bit of experience there. And then I kept auditioning, doing more auditions. I danced for Jennifer Love Hewitt at the Pro Bowl. I was able to do some stuff with B2K. I don't even know if anyone remembers B2K (laughs) back in (laughs) But, and then I traveled with United Spirit Association and taught dance camps and dance, got to perform at NBA, NFL games. And honestly, I had such a good experience. And then in 2007, I moved back home and I was actually being managed by Britney Spears' dad at the time. I came back home and I was living with my sister, Tanya in her family. And I just had this like change in my life where I just wanted to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do. And I wanted to be able to work for him pretty much. And at the time I was supposed to go back to LA and I was supposed to work with Britney Spears's dad, which is so crazy. And I just had this overwhelming feeling that I shouldn't go. So I ended up telling my brother who was helping manage me that I wasn't going to go. And everyone thought I was crazy. Everyone thought what the heck? Like you have this at your fingertips and you're able to go. And I, because I was set up with like meetings and auditions with other producers and just didn't feel right. And so I ended up staying back in Utah and I was living with my sister at the time. And I actually started a dance group called calamity. And at the time it was just a bunch of college girls getting together, dancing once a week. And we started doing little performances and. I named it Calamity, spelt it with a K and had no idea why I was naming it Calamity. But like I said, in this year, I just wanted to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do. That's all I wanted to do. And, and I truly believe like that was my mission, you know, and when I started this group Calamity, I had no idea why I named it Calamity. It was such a random name. And then two years later, we were working on our first concert just to perform. It wasn't for anything. And we were just getting ready to dance and perform, do the show. And at the time, one of my dancers got diagnosed with cancer. And this was the second time she had got diagnosed. And so we decided to make it like a benefit concert for her and to donate hundred percent of the proceeds to her as she's going through this trial. And after that concert, that's when it hit me that that's what calamity stood for was dancing for people going through real life calamities. And dedicating and dancing for people that are going through real-life calamity situations like cancer. And so after that, it's been about 15 years now. We still have calamity to this day. I've been dancing on calamity ever since. This last 10 months of cancer it has been the longest that I haven't danced. And we've been able to raise almost a million dollars. We're almost to our million-dollar mark for over 50 families. So dance has been like a huge part of my life. I've been able to experience, you know, the industry, the real life of it. And then I've been able to experience the part of giving back using our talents for good and being able to use the talents that God's given us to be able to give them back to others. And honestly, it's brought me so much joy and so much happiness.
0: That's incredible. I mean, you had mentioned calamity to me before, but I didn't realize that it's 15 years old and how much money you've raised for all those families. So well done. That's a major, major achievement. I mean, dancing seems to be your love language. This is fantastic. And so fast forward with your own diagnosis of cancer. Can you walk through, you know, after at this point you were, you had four boys, you were pregnant with your fifth. What made you think, oh, I should get checked or I don't feel good? Or what was that like?
1: Well, I was sick. So when I was pregnant with Rose, my fifth baby, after I had her in August, I had her in August of 2019. And then in December of 2019, I started to get like flu-like symptoms. We went on our family vacation for Christmas. And I remember I was feeling so sick, like shivers. I was feeling nauseous and like throwing up and kind of a little bit of a fever. And so I just thought I had the flu. I just thought, okay, I have the flu for this little bit. And then come January, I started to develop loss of appetite and just not feeling a hundred percent and low energy. And then I started to feel, I was still dancing at the time and like teaching classes and rehearsing. And I remember with my team, I would be at practice and I couldn't even finish a routine. I couldn't even finish a dance. I was gasping for air. I would literally get through half a dance and I'd lay on the floor and be like, you guys, I just, but I honestly was just marking it out to. I was post, I just had a baby. So right. I was just thinking, <laughs> I'm just out of shape. Holy crap. I, little did I know I had no blood in my body. <laughs> so those months leading up into April, I started to develop uh really bad headaches, loss of appetite, night sweats, bruising, just really low, low energy. The oxygen thing just got worse and worse. And so come March, this is when COVID hit. I remember I woke up in one morning and I was so sick. Like I had excruciating headaches all night long. I had the shivers all night long. I was having a sore throat and cough and I had bruising all over my body. And so that morning I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go. I'm going to go get a COVID test. Cause I was like, maybe I have COVID. And so my husband took me to go get a COVID test. And then right after that, he's like, you know what? We're going to get you a blood test too. Cause this is, does not seem right. You've been sick for six months and nothing was working. I was on antibiotics before and nothing was working. And so I finally got a blood test from my doctor. It was a, a new doctor that I hadn't been to before. And it came back that they thought it was leukemia. And so when he asked me, he, sorry, I get like really emotional when I talk about it. He asked me, he was asking me my symptoms, you know, and asking me what kind of symptoms have I been experiencing? And I told him, you know, loss of appetite, bruising, night sweats, headaches. I had a really bad menstrual cycle the month prior where I just bled all over. I woke up, I kept waking up in the middle of the, of the night and I was just covered in blood. And so he said, well, to you, we think it might be leukemia. You know, we think it might be leukemia. We want to go get one more blood test to confirm it. So I went and got one more blood test. And I remember that day I was sitting in the parking lot. My husband ran into the store to go get marshmallows. Cause we wanted to roast marshmallows that night. And I remember, I remember my dad, my dad is passed on to the other side. And I remember my dad just saying to you, like, let's go, like, let's do this. You know, we got this. And that's kind of, that's where my, we got this phrase came from. And I remember him just, I could hear his voice loud and clear in my head, just saying "Tia, we got this. Let's go. My dad was my trainer and my mentor all growing up with marathons and stuff. So I could just hear his marathon voice. Come on, we got this. Let's go. We're going to go to work. And so right after that, like an hour later, our doctor, which is our family friend, Josh Arnold came to our house and he was crying and he just said, he just said that it didn't look good. You know, he said that your blood smears came back and they look really bad and it is leukemia. And they want you up at the hospital right away. They said that they're wondering how you're doing because your blood smears look so bad. And I told them, you're doing, you're walking, you're around. And so, right after that, my husband, we just cried. Like, my husband just sobbed and cried because we just couldn't believe it. On one hand, I was relieved because I was sick for so long. But on the other hand, it was like, what? Cancer? Like, you never think that you're going to be the one. You never think it's going to happen to your family. And so, like, an hour later, my husband drove me up to the hospital and he dropped me off for 31 days. And I fought that battle, my first induction. Chemo for 31 days in the hospital by myself.
0: I need a moment to even listen to all that, digest it. And I can't even imagine during the start of the pandemic for everybody. And then this is what you're given with a six month old baby at the time. I mean, this is just so incredible. So, what was that like being in the hospital away from your family for 31 days? I mean, it sounds like the nurse and the support staff were phenomenal, but what were you thinking at that moment? Because your tagline is choosing happy and you are so positive and you smile all the time. It's infectious. But what was that like in those 31 days?
1: To be honest, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And I think it's because I had so much love and so much support through social media. My, Social media family just rallied around me and supported me and was constantly messaging me, texting me. I was getting messages. Honestly, like it had its hard moments. I'm not going to lie. Like I had my days where I just wanted a hug, which was so cool. My nurses were awesome like that because nurses do so much more than just their job, especially in the cancer unit, because you're there for so long. We're there for so long that there was days where my nurses, they would give me hugs when I needed. They would let me cry on their shoulders when I needed. They were carrying me to the bathroom because I couldn't carry myself, you know, at times. But honestly, it was a crazy good experience because I had so much support and so much love. But honestly, there were days where I just, I remember there was a day where I just wanted to hug. I needed to hug something and the next day, my husband dropped off a teddy bear for me. Oh. <laughs> so, so it was sweet. it was cute. It was awesome. <laughs> That's so
0: sweet. And I mean, I just love seeing his stories and his profile along with your children. It's just we are so lucky to see how much you share with so much love. I mean, truly a any fan already and for any hopefully new fan. So much love exudes from you. And so I'm just grateful to be around that. So, one thing I wanted to mention, you had mentioned so much hardship already, but when after the end of the 31 days, you came home and suddenly were placed with another stress in life. Yeah. Can you talk about that?
1: So, oh my gosh. Sorry, I'm such a ball baby. <laughs> so, yeah, the day I came home, my mom, that morning I called her for my morning scripture because every morning I would call her when I was in the hospital and she would give me a scripture. And my mom was just awesome. She was just so full of life and always positive. Always. um, She just always, always looked at the bright side. That's just who she was. And she loved all of her kids and loved her grandkids. And that morning I went to call her for my scripture and she didn't answer. And this was the day I was going home. And I just thought she called me back. She usually does. And my husband had come and picked me up. He came and I remember I was hugging him and we were actually live on my live stream on my YouTube channel. And we said goodbyes. We turned it off. And right after we turned it off, we were hugging. And he told me, we got a phone call from my niece, Cambria, and we got a phone call. And she said that my mom had passed away. And I just remember just, I dropped to my knees and I was just yelling and screaming, no, no, no. I remember that day was just the whole hospital probably could hear me. Cause I was just screaming and yelling and I couldn't believe that this happened. My mom was healthy. She was fine. She just passed away in her sleep and she went home to my dad that day. When I got to go home to my husband and as hard as it was i know that she's happy i know that she's happy with being with my dad now finally so well
0: thank you for sharing that i i remember when i saw an interview that profiled you and reading about how hard those 31 days are and then you know the next section was yeah. about this i i can't even imagine the feelings going through your head in terms of going home seeing your family and but then also facing those news so i it's
1: Yeah. It was a crazy day because I was so excited to finally go home. I was so excited to go home and be with my family. And so, like I said, that morning I woke up, I was excited. I'd been in the hospital for 31 days alone by myself Mm -hmm. with no people around. And so I was excited just to go home and be with my family. And then boom, you get hit with your mom passed away. So coming home to, I came home to a street full uh, family members and cousins and nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and close family friends. And then some of my siblings were here and we just fell when I got out of the car, I just fell into my siblings arms and we just all bawled together. Like we just cried and cried and cried because it was such a, like a happy day, but it was such a sad day.
0: Right. I love that you keep your mom's spirit alive in all of the positivity and all the happiness that you share with your fans. And as you call them, your family members around the world, now that you have millions and millions of new family members. So I think part of that is with us, thankfully, because of you and your mom. And so for those who don't know as much about leukemia, so you have acute myeloid leukemia. Can you share just as an overview what that is? Because I know that you've done the chemotherapy and you do a lot of blood transfusions, but what type of leukemia do you have and what does that really mean for for you
1: leukemia is a blood cancer and acute means it's aggressive it's fast acting so it can change at any moment and so i'm learning too as as i go into this you know what <laughs> i've learned so much about cancer but right now i am on day 85 of my transplant and I'm waiting for my hundred days where, and I have a bone marrow biopsy next week to see if I am clear and if I have no cancer cells, but yeah, it's a crazy cancer because you don't actually get clear, cleared for a couple of years. It takes like about five years till you're actually cleared all the way. So, because it is so fast acting and can change at any moment.
0: And how many blood transfusions do you do in call it a week? Because it seems like you do quite a few, but what's the routine?
1: I used to do a whole lot more before my transplant. I was having at least probably two to three transfusions a week because of my antibodies. I have so many antibodies because I have had five kids. My body has built up all these antibodies. And so the antibodies attack my cells and actually destroy them, which is crazy. I never knew that till I was diagnosed, but since my transplant, I get at least one a week now, which is good. And they say it's pretty normal after a transplant. Like it's normal to have, to still have transfusions because my brother's blood type is a positive and mine is O positive.
0: It's interesting because when I'm watching you do it, now you do it so routinely. You make a blood transfusion look like drinking a sip of, just a sip of tea on a Tuesday. Like (laughs) you make it look so seamless and it's because you've gone through so many, but what does it feel like to have a blood transfusion? Do you feel lethargic afterwards? Do you feel fine because you're so used to it? No,
1: I feel, so before I get a blood transfusion, I usually have pounding headaches. I feel really lightheaded. I have shortness of breath. I can't do anything because I'm, I can't breathe. And I feel just really tired, super, super tired. But after I get a transfusion, I feel energized. I feel happy. I feel like I can do more. I'm able to do more exercising, more dancing. I'm able to, I can breathe a lot better. It's crazy what your body does when it has blood in it, <laughs> when you're able to have that oxygen flowing in you. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you're
0: on day 85. What, what happens after you pass the hundred day mark?
1: So I won't have to go to the hospital as much. I I think so. Anyways, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I won't have to go to the hospital as much. I'll still have to go in for weekly blood checkups for my CBC panel and to see where my red blood cells are at. If I need transfusions, I'll still be getting transfusions, but hopefully I don't know, because my immune system is like a newborn baby immune system. I still won't be able to go around groups of people. Like I'm not able to go around groups of people or large groups or I can't teach any dance classes or fitness classes because I still am my immune system is still pretty new.
0: So we haven't talked about it as much, but when you go home from these regular and routine blood transfusions, you come home to five rambunctious and young children like they are (laughs) still young. How are you doing all of that? Because, you know, from what I know with my social network and ecosystem, every Parent, I know is struggling through the pandemic that, you know, whether they're mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, and they're not dealing with cancer. And so, yeah, how are you juggling all of this?
1: The Lord helps me out a lot. (laughs) I can't do anything without Him. And I know that that helps me with my strength, honestly. Like, I really feel like He gives me so much strength and motivation to be able to follow through. That's one thing about cancer and being a mom, it is hard because you want to be that fun mom you still have to discipline. You still have to run a structured home. You're still trying to run everything. And honestly, I can say my kids are awesome. They're boys. Yes. But I (laughs) honestly, my, (laughs) they're crazy. They have lots of energy, but my two oldest boys help out so much. They help out with my little kids a lot. I have a great nanny that helps us out during the day, but honestly, I have been just blessed. My kids are rock stars and they help their mom out and they're always willing to help out with the little kids. And I just, honestly, it's little by little, day by day, I do what I can and I might not be able to have everything perfectly done. I have a great niece that comes and helps cleans my house with me. She's awesome. So I have lots of good help. But it's really, honestly, I just feel really blessed that I'm surrounded by good people that help me, you know, especially during this time where I have little energy and trying to recover from this transplant.
0: One thing that was so fabulous to have seen you through the last, call it 10 months, is how... Your messaging is not only positive, but so strong and so beauty forward and redefining what beauty is and not to say that. So right now you say to the kids and your fans and your family and your extended social media family, this is what beauty is. And I just love that message. And so more recently, I saw this one amazing picture of you and your daughter in a swimsuit. And you said, this is what a swimsuit with cancer looks like. And it's strong (laughs) and it's beautiful and it's forward. I think that you've really changed what people think is beauty and power. And so one clip that you had mentioned is when you had lost your hair from the chemotherapy and a lot of your fans and family members had asked, what is it like to lose your hair? Are you sad? And you said, no, I love it. It's beautiful. And it's so refreshing to just constantly choose happy, to choose yes. positive. And I love that you share that with other little boys and girls, that it's yes. it's really remarkable.
1: Yes. Well, I hope so. I know I have a lot of younger followers. Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) I love them so much. And I wish I would have had that when I was younger. I wish I would have had that reminder that beauty is within and everyone is beautiful in their own, own shape and sizes and dents on your legs is normal. Having cellulite is a normal thing. Everybody has. And I, I hope that my younger follower, family members, and my even moms. I hope that that's something that I can be able to give back going through this and being able to go through something like cancer and having so many people support and love you. I hope that's something that I can give back and be able to exude that message of redefining beauty and reminding people that, Hey, we have legs, we have arms, we have a face. We're so blessed with the bodies that we've been given. And how many times are we just so hard on them? We're so hard on our bodies. And for me, I just hope that we can be able to teach our younger generation that, you know, beauty is from within and that no matter what you look like and hair or no hair, being bald, that's beauty. And what you do for others and serve others and give back to others, that really is beautiful.
0: It really is. In one of your live formats, I think it was on Insta or YouTube, you know, it was a live format. And I love how you allow others to participate. And one little girl who was a cancer survivor herself, and I think she was seven, watching you and her just chat for two minutes was the highlight of my day because she was a cancer survivor. And what was so beautiful was she was meeting her hero. Like she was like, Hey Tia. And she goes, I love you so much. And you're my inspiration. And watching that made me cry. Cause it was just yeah. pure beauty of you being so remarkable and strong for not only yourself, but helping others to feel that way too. And so her mom was there, her mom was crying. And this little girl just looked up to you with such awe and admiration. <laughs> and it was just such a beautiful moment. So I, I love that so much. If you don't oh, mind, you. I'll pivot to some of the questions I ask all my guests, starting with who or what inspires you? And you had mentioned, you know, your mom and your dad and the love you have for your family is inspirational. But I'm just curious, what drives you to be so inspired by that positivity? I'm just curious if there is a person or a thing that inspires you.
1: Yeah, I love that question. Because yes, my parents have been a huge part Uh, my motivation and just hyping me up and cheering me on and always teaching us to be positive. And my dad was all about positive. I mean, one of his last messages that he gave us before he passed was positive, 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 choose to be positive. Life is a choice on how we get to live it. You get to choose how you get to live life. Yes. We don't get to choose the music that gets to be played, but we get to choose the way we dance to it. That little quote always runs through my head all day long because I always think of, yes, you know, this is my life. I get to choose how I get to do cancer. I can either be a miserable cancer patient and be mad and angry, or I can be happy and I can be dancing cancer. Either way, I'm going to have cancer. (laughs) Either way, the script doesn't change, but how you address it can change A ton. And so my parents have been a huge motivator, as well as my husband. My husband is very, he pushes me, he makes me feel wonderful. He's been a huge supporter in my helping me love my body and helping me to love myself for who I am. He's helped me change my paradigm. I always believe in changing your paradigm. If you don't like the way your life looks right now, then change your paradigm. You can change the way you look at it and change the way you say, I am. And then whatever you choose after that is your choice. My husband, my parents have been just a huge part of my inspiration and motivating me to be able to be a positive, happy, and just go for it. Live your life. There's one thing that I always teach my dancers is it's desire, decide, do it. And I make a little deal with my hands and I put desire to my heart and I put decide to my brain. And then I do it and I put it down my body because you just do it. You go for it. So I always teach them desire starts in your heart, decide starts in your brain and then do it, make it happen, live for today because today is all we get. And I truly believe if we have the desire in our heart to do something, then decide that you're going to do it and then do it and make it happen. And I truly believe that that little quote, living our lives that way with a desire we can do anything. And as long as we go through it with the happy spirit that we just keep moving forward.
0: I just love that so much. And I keep saying this over and over that you're, you're just so positive and your framework and your mindset is so powerful and quite addicting. Like I want to feel as good as you do. And here you are, (laughs) you should be the most exhausted person on the planet. And yet you seem to be this cheerful, energetic, youthful mom. And I'm like, how does she do it? And so speaking of music, one of the songs that you play often in your dancing is Macklemore's Glorious. And it's a favorite song of mine. I just love it so much. And it makes me smile. It makes you get up and want to dance. And I looked at the lyrics recently because I've seen you dance with it so often. And I just never read the lyrics before. And I think it's so perfect for you. And so just to read a little bit, it says, I feel glorious, glorious, got a chance to start again. I was born for this, born for this. It's who I am. How could I forget? I made it through the darkest part of the night, and now I see the sunrise. Now I feel glorious. It is such a beautiful capture of how you are every single day. Do you feel that this cancer, in many ways, is almost a blessing because you are even more powerful, more beautiful, more strong, both in your marriage and your momhood and your outlook? It seems like it has leveled you up even further.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Sorry, I'm crying. You made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that song. And I truly believe that. Like, I know that cancer is a hard thing for everyone that has to deal with it. It is a hard journey. But I honestly feel like it's been a blessing in my life to grow relationships I've never had before. There's so many new relationships in my life since cancer. And I would have never had those relationships if it wasn't for cancer. And honestly, relationships to me are the most beautiful thing and the best thing that we can have in this earth. Like that's the only thing we get to take with us when we pass on is the relationships that we have. So I feel so blessed that I've been able to have this experience of cancer to be able to become stronger. I mean, there's so many phases of strength that you go through when you're going through something like cancer, you have the physical aspect, you have the emotional aspect, you have the spiritual aspect, you have the mental. There's so many parts in it that you get strengthened in so many different ways. And so for me, yes, I am so grateful for this opportunity. I call it an opportunity to be able to go through something like this, to be able to strengthen my relationships, to be able to make more relationships And to be able to strengthen my testimony, but not only my testimony, but myself and my relationship with my heavenly father and my own strengths, I've gained so many new strengths that I would have never had if it wasn't for this opportunity.
0: Beautiful. That's amazing. What are you most proud of? Oh
1: boy. I'm most proud of that. I have been able to just keep going. And move forward with the happy spirit. And they say, we get to choose the happiness in our life. And for the most part, yes, I've had my down days. I've cried plenty of times on my YouTube channel and on Instagram, but for the most part, I feel like I've been able to move through with the happy spirit and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. And I choose to keep getting up and putting one foot in front of the other and keep fighting. I've chosen to keep fighting through this journey. There hasn't been a day where actually there's probably been one day, but one day is better than a lot of days. So I'm most proud of that. I've just been able to keep going, moving forward with the happy spirit. Love that. Do you have any
0: tips for people for when they get into a headspace or a mindset. And you'd mentioned one day that you kind of felt that way, but when you get into that moment where you just feel bad for a a second, a minute or an hour, but how do you get out of that? What are some of your tips?
1: One thing that we do, my husband makes me (laughs) name five things that I'm grateful for. And I think that has been a huge, huge, huge tool in my life I totally believe in a grateful journal. So if you don't have a grateful journal, get a notebook and start one today. Three things that you're grateful for every single morning. And it's easy just to write down three things that you're grateful for every single morning. I truly believe in changing your mindset, changing your paradigm, changing your paradigm to thinking of the things that you have in your life, Rather than the things that you don't have in your life. So many times, so often, we think of all the things that we don't have and, oh, I don't look like this. Oh, my body. Oh, this. You know, we're always complaining. We're always thinking of the things we don't have. And when we shift our mindset to thinking of the things that we do have, I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for my home. I'm grateful for my body. I'm grateful. I mean, life becomes happier, life becomes brighter the more that we think of all the things that we've been blessed with. I love this quote that was shared. It was, spend more time counting our blessings than recounting our problems. Love that. And I love that because it's so true. We spend more time counting our blessings. We'll live a happier life. So I truly believe in a grateful journal. Start one today. Three things that you're grateful for. Change your mindset. And also music. I think music is a great tool when you're feeling crappy and down put on some happy oldies music some music and just let it be just move i truly believe in moving your body however you don't have to be a dancer <laughs> you don't have to take tons of dance classes but i know that it shifts the mood and the way that you feel and just helps you to become brighter and happier
0: absolutely love that well a few things on that there's a comment i've been saying throughout this whole pandemic and it's on the extension of the gratitude it's you can never be negative when you're in a state of gratitude so you're really just reflecting on what you're grateful for. And so literally having limbs, having a face, having oh my gosh, yeah, your health, it's so meaningful. And I love that there's a female boxing promoter. Her name is Nina Cranston, and she was diagnosed with epilepsy at a very early age. And to your point about changing the paradigm, she said, look, I can't change that, right? You can only control what you can control. I can control my mindset around it. And so she says, Oh, my roommate's back and it's a bad one. I hate my roommate. And the way that she just shifts it so positively and beautifully, like you do, it's really inspiring. And so I remember one of the videos that you had posted. You know, I think every day there's moments where people can feel at a lull or a low. And I literally get out of that headspace by going to your channel, and I seek so much inspiration from you because here you are in your hospital, and you know, behind you there's a curtain drawn. And you're dancing to McLemore's Glorious and you <laughs> you have a smile on your face, but you can tell you're masking your fatigue and your exhaustion. Yeah. And meanwhile in the back, there's nurses who are, you know, they peep out with their smiling faces <laughs> dancing with you. And I just think, gosh darn it, if I can't for one moment just get up and be physical or be active or listen to music to get me in a better headspace, if Tia can do it every single day for her millions of fans and family. I certainly can do it for whatever, 15 or 20 minutes. And so I really just, I'm so happy that you have made my radar that I am just really, truly every day when I seek inspiration, I go to you for it. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you for sharing that with me.
0: Yeah. Well, so one of the questions I ask generally everyone on the show is about failure because I think that every growth story comes from some type of failure and struggle and adversity. And interviewed another cancer survivor, Amanda Rice. And I had asked her, instead of like a failure, certainly this is a failure of maybe your body and your immune system, but this is not a failure story by any means, but to focus on your growth. And so, so much of your cancer story and how much growth that you've experienced from being diagnosed with leukemia has really shown across. But can you share in hindsight, when you reflect back, what is Maybe, you know, the biggest or most impactful growth moment from all the things that you've learned over the past 300 days that you've been diagnosed. Is there anything that you've reflected on that said, you know what, that was an incredible moment for me. And I really grew as a person, a mother, a daughter, a wife.
1: Yeah, for me, I look at it as a learning experience. So I truly believe that failure is not a thing because as long as we're trying and as long as we're doing it and as long as we're going for it, like I said, desire, decide, do it, and we do it. I truly believe that we're learning. And that's what we're doing on this earth is to learn as much as we can because that's what helps us to be stronger. That's what helps us to be better. That's what helps us to be better for our kids and be better spouses. So, I love that failure is actually always a learning experience. You learn something, you take away something always. And for me, I feel like in my journey, I think my biggest learning point was when I got COVID and I was stuck in the COVID unit and for 28 days because I had cancer and COVID together and I had no immune system. And so, I was in the COVID unit and I was there alone. And this was like worse than before because I could only have like one nurse come in. The doctors would come in sparsely. It was really hard to be just by yourself. And I couldn't leave my room. I couldn't leave my room for 28 days. I was stuck in a bed, hospital room. And that was one of the biggest learning points in my life because I was able to reflect and able to lean onto my heavenly father and lean into Of what I had. And I think I learned so much from that experience. And I was able to reflect more on what I could do once I got out and once I could be healthy again. It helped me to appreciate the moments of being a mom. Because honestly, sometimes being a mom, there's so much that comes with it. Sometimes we're just stressed out, tired, you know, no energy. (laughs) It's so hard to sometimes it's so hard to recognize those moments. And so for me being by myself and alone and missing my kids was huge moments for me to remember that motherhood for me is such an important thing and is such a, really the most important thing to be able to reflect and learn that lesson and learn that what I can do better as a mom went once I was able to get back to my kids after being away from them for so long, was such a huge learning moment for me. So I'm grateful for that moment. I'm grateful for those days that helped me to reflect and appreciate what I already had.
0: Beautiful. Speaking of your kids, how have you seen them change through the past call it 300 plus days as you've been going in and out of the hospital, doing the chemo, having COVID and being away for so long, but how have you seen them change as it relates to your cancer?
1: Yeah, my oldest boys, they have stepped it up so much. They've had to be big brothers, but also mom and dad sometimes, you know, like they've had to step it up and be able to help out so much more. My younger ones have—it's been harder because my little girl was only eight months when I got diagnosed. That's probably been the hardest thing for me through this journey—is seeing her. We have a great auntie nanny, we like to call her, that helps us out, and they've grown a close bond. And that, so I think that's been—that's been the hardest for me because she still doesn't. Now that she's getting older, she, I'm trying to get that bond back. I'm trying to get that bond back because I was in the hospital for so long last year. And my other younger ones have, they're just strong. They're strong kids. They are just awesome. And I know that I was given four boys at the beginning (laughs) for a reason, you know, because they're tough, like they're tough kids. They don't get all emotional and crazy into it. Like they're just tough, tough boys. So yeah, I'm just grateful for that.
0: And one thing I've noticed is your husband, Andy, has gotten such a huge following also because people have fallen in love with him and how wonderful (laughs) he is to you and the kids. How is your marriage strengthened from all of this and how? (laughs) What are some tips that you guys can share?
1: Our marriage has strengthened so much. I mean, no marriage is perfect, right? But honestly, this has been a great experience for us because things that used to bother us before, now are like minute and so dumb, like to get mad about, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like you go through something like cancer, and you're like, okay, the dirty socks are not a big deal anymore. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> perspective,
1: <laughs> perspective. Oh my gosh, totally. So I know for me, for a fact, it's helped me to gain better perspective on our marriage and realize things that were important and so that I wanted to fight about or argue about before are not a thing anymore.
0: Right. Love that. There's so much that I could keep asking you, but I will have the listeners go to your channels and really get it straight from the source. Where can people find out more about you, Tia?
1: I have my Instagram is at the Tia B Stokes and my TikTok. You can come dance with me over on my TikTok page on at the Tia B Stokes. And then my YouTube channel, I go live every single night and talk about my updates or just about family life. Andy joins me some nights at Tia B Mella Stokes. So yeah, I just I enjoy sharing my story. I enjoy being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. And I hope that my story can help at least one person.
0: Oh, well, it's helped me for sure. and And I think that it'll definitely, definitely help a lot of the listeners who just are open to keeping this mindset of positivity. Now you had mentioned you continue to dance, you still have calamity, and you've raised so much money for these families. What's next for Tia? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm working on getting my strength back. That's my biggest thing right now is working on getting my strength back. I hope to get back to Dancing with Calamity. Hopefully by the end of this year, I'll be able to get back to them and dance with my team.
0: So fun. Well, Tia, thank you so much. you your triple D of desire, decide and do it ethos is so lovely and i will write that down and put it on my wall now because i just love that motto so much thank you for being on the show and thank you for being you it's been a real treat to have you on the show
1: thank you so much thanks for having me love you so much